0: Welcome to Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message and we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30. We're located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After listening to this message, take a moment to browse our website for current and upcoming events. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, grab your Bibles. We're in Ephesians. We're going to be in Ephesians 4 and 5 today. And Paul has really been talking to us about our walk with the Lord, about our journey, that our relationship is this walk, and it's, it's really not a race. Uh, uh, some of us like to sprint to thing to thing and, you know, ADD and ADHD, and, uh, you know, we go from one thing to another to another. Well, our relationship with the Lord is not like that. It's a slow, long walk. It's like, you know, you're going on, a, it's a stroll on the beach, you know. It's one of those things. It's It's a journey and we even use the term that it's our walk with the Lord and you know it's a fun walk. It's, sometimes it has some hills, sometimes it has valleys and you know, but it's well worth it to walk with the Lord. Because it's oftentimes that it's that it's on these walks that when we get away from the hustle and bustle of life and we actually spend a little time with the Lord that he talks with us. Because today I don't I don't know about you but we're so connected with our smartphones that for some reason are smarter than us, for, you know, I don't know why that is to just we're, we're just always busy, always going, and going and going and going, and just we've got to do this. Gotta, and, and really, I, I, I'm, I've come to believe that the, the sign of immaturity is being too busy, because we rely on our life of we're so busy, we fill up our lives with all these busy things so we don't really think about who we are. And it's a sign of an immature relationship with the Lord because we don't stop to pray. We don't stop to spend time with Him. And and so so we get to a point where we can't hear the Holy Spirit within our own lives because we have all this other noise going on. If the Scriptures say that the Lord has a still, small voice, then if we're too busy, we can't hear that voice. We can't hear it at all. So Paul is helping us to evaluate our lives and evaluate our walk with the Lord. And uh, and the last part last part of chapter 4, he talked about how we we're supposed to 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 put off our old self. He called the old self the old man. The, the things that that we used to do in our lives to put that off and to put on the things of God and then to put away the things that that are not of God. And he says uh, here, he says in Ephesians 4.22, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And then he goes on to say, put off falsehood and speak truthfully to, to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And he talks about, hey, you need to put off your stealing. If you're, a person is stolen, you need to just stop doing that. You need to, to put off cutting each other down. And I don't mean, okay, we're just joking around, bantering back and forth, kind of laughing. But I'm talking about that, that cruelness of, of where we put somebody down. Put off losing control. You know, we even talked a little bit last week about losing control. Because even the Lord got angry. And we see this in the Old Testament and the New Testament. But he doesn't lose control. So if God gets angry, it would be very good for us, very wise for us to start to understand what makes God angry because if, if I know what God makes angry, I can avoid doing those things so God's not angry with me. And I'm talking about that good part of anger, you know, that righteous anger, about you know, that anger that hates evil deeds, that anger that, that hates untruth, that anger that, that, that just hates the things of this world that go against God. That's the type of anger I'm talking about. And then Paul says, don't give the devil a foothold. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Let the Lord fill, uh, fill them in, those, those footholds of your life. Let the Lord fill those in so, so he can, in a sense, climb up your mountainside. Then at the very end, he says in verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one, o- to one another forgiving each other, just as Christ has forgave you. Now we have this picture of us, that are, those of you who have grown up in church, you understand this, this picture of that God is continually mad at you because of our actions. You know, that, that I, I'm not worthy, I can't even go in, I, I feel like I can't even praise God, I feel like I can't even worship God, I feel like I can't even pray to God because He's angry at me for the actions that I have in my life. But he is such a forgiving God. He is a very tender, tender-hearted God. I mean, in the Bible, you, the more you read about him, you start to understand that children just run to him. He has this personality that, that the children... You know, children get a sense of, of good and bad, don't they? Now, you can wear a child down and manipulate a child, but, but the initial reaction of the child sometimes, you know, when, when they're old enough to know, they get a sense of good and bad. Children ran to Jesus because you could sense his love. Paul is saying, you've got to have a heart. You've got to have a reputation as a softy in this life. And as you get older, you start to understand this because, uh, you know, know, I'm I'm still young. I'm still, you know, at least I think I am. I'm, I'm in my 40s. But in my younger days, if you think I'm kind of passionate now or I'm, I'm quick to anger or anything like that. You should have seen me in my younger days. Oh, man. But we have to start to, to have a reputation as we get older to not just accepting Christ, but to start to walk with him on the journey that we become softies in this life. We start to be defined by the image of God in our lives instead of by how we're treated at work. Now, the last thing I want to hit on before chapter 5 is verse 32. It said, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as, Christ, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, Jesus himself made the standard for forgiving. This is a tough one. This really is. Because the, you know, because the way and the amount that he forgave, we could never, ever live up to. Because he forgave over and over and over. This is really a tough one because we can never live up to it. Because there is no way, there is no way that, that for those people who have hurt me in this life on my own that I can offer forgiveness except through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the thing Jesus said, I want you to forgive as I have, and as you forgive others. I will also forgive you. Then Jesus, you know, there's a story about Peter asking Jesus a question. And and this is one of those times when, when Peter says something really cool, and then he just goes that one step further, and you're like, Peter, stop right there. But in Matthew 18, 21, it says, And Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? up to seven times now that's a lot right there someone offends you seven times and you're willing to say that that, that's okay they came into your house they go to your wallet they open up your wallet they take out the money and they leave then later you go hey you know I had like three thousand dollars in my wallet because I always carry around a lot of money I don't know about you I do yeah just have money laying around right But then he goes, yeah, I'm so sorry. I I took that money and I won't do it again. And you say, okay, I forgive you. You don't even ask for the money back. So you replace all the money in your wallet. Next time he's over, what does he do? Search around your house. He finds your wallet. He takes it on seven times. Now that sounds gracious, doesn't it? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Now, some of us that are, you know, type A people, some of us who can be a little legalistic are going, okay, how many was that? That was, okay, 484. We're keeping track, right? You've offended me 485. Hey, buddy, you're getting close to that 70 times 7. You're getting really close there. But see, a truly forgiving person doesn't count. That's why he said 70 times 7. It's like, okay, I have to think about it. He's saying, don't even think about it. We need to offer forgiveness, in verse 23, it says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to, uh, began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he, he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his, uh, the servant, uh, fell on his knees before him. Be, ca- be patient with me, he begged and I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found his fellow servant who owed him a 100 denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. This is like owing like a million dollars versus owing like $10. He grabbed him and started to, to shake him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Which is kind of odd, because how can you repay a debt if you're in prison, right? When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all, your de- uh, all, all, that, all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have mercy on the fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back his, uh, all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father would treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Man, Jesus doesn't mess around, does he? Wow. Jesus knows something, and something that that some of us start to understand, because bitterness and anger can shorten your life. In fact, there's been studies about this, those that are really bitter and angry and just just mad all the time in life, that literally their lives are shortened. It's scientifically proven. But it also shortens your spiritual life. And that's what Jesus is more more uh, concerned with. The internal that, that you know, that, that, that walk with Jesus. That, that if you're not forgiving other people, you're not on the journey with them. There are eternal benefits to being a forgiving person. Jesus is saying, if there is no forgiveness, no fruit of forgiveness out of your life, are you sure you receive forgiveness From him? That's what he's asking here. Do you really have a relationship with me if you're unwilling to forgive other people? That's what he is saying. Jesus says, to the measure that you forgive others, you will be forgiven. Now, some of us don't even relate to this. You're like, man, I've gone down that path. I've learned how to forgive, and I am there, and that is great. But there are others of us. Man, every time we see that person, every time we think of that person, oh, it just kind of just... Oh, it gets your blood pumping, doesn't it? It gets you going. And your mind just starts going and going and going. You can see the wheels going, right? Your expression on your face changes because there's no forgiveness. Because sometimes the hardest thing to do in life is to forgive. Now, if you feel you can't forgive, I have a way to begin the process. You need to allow God to forgive that person. Some of you may be going, what do you mean, Pastor Allen? Well, look at it this way. You can say this, and this sounds pretty harsh, but you can say something like this. As far as I'm concerned, the person can go to hell. I mean, if you've been affected that much, I mean, that's because, I mean, let's be honest here. Sometimes we really do feel like that, right? Okay, I see some sheds shaking, right? Okay, now I'm not saying go out there and say that to them, but I'm just saying that's how we feel. But God... You can forgive them. See, we can hold on to that feeling for a little while, but the process begins with saying, okay, God, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not there yet. But you can forgive them. You're giving God permission, like He really needs it, but you're giving God permission to begin the process of healing, of forgiveness, by forgiving that person. I mean, it's the attitude of, I don't necessarily want them in heaven with me, but, you know, God, if you want them there, which He does then you can forgive them, and it's okay. You're being honest with God. This starts the process of softening our hearts and keep praying that somehow the Lord will get you to a point to allow you to one day say, I forgive you or I forgive them. Because some of us need to hear this truth today. It is time to forgive that person who's affected your life so much it is time to forgive, and and we're sitting there, but but I can't, then I say, let God start that process. Tell God, it is okay for you to forgive them. I'll, I'll catch up. But you need to start letting go of that anger that holds on there. Because Jesus says, if you don't, then he questions your very salvation. Now, I'm not questioning your salvation, because that is between you and the Lord. I can, you know, the only way I can tell a Christian is is by their actions. But ultimately, God knows who's a Christian and who's not. But Jesus questions your very salvation if you're unwilling to follow his ways. If you can't forgive, did you ever really accept Jesus? The measure in which you forgive, you will be forgiven. We have to let go. Because you'll be happier in this life if you do. How many of you, and and raise your hand, how many of you have been really hurt in this life? Yeah, see all the hands? Look around. Keep them up for a second. Look around. Now, I'm not saying you name, time, place, date, and all that kind of stuff. Every one of us, in one way or another, have been hurt. And it's time to let some of that go because if we don't, it's like last week I talked about the lady in the boat. She's out on the lake and our boat won't go very fast. It's because she forgot to take the trailer off the, the boat in the water. That's that that's forgiveness. We're unwilling to forgive, so we have the trailer attached. It affects our lives. The measure in which you forgive, you will be forgiven. You know, I don't know how much pain you've had in this life. All I know is that once you forgive, you can start to move on. You know, personally, I've been hurt, and I've shared different things, and I'm not going to go into it today, but I've been hurt dearly in this life by a few people. And I tell you, it's amazing when God allows you, or you follow God's way, and you allow yourself to forgive. You know, I'm friends with a person that hurt me. Uh, probably the person that hurt me the most in this lifetime. And I'm friends with, you, th- with that person. And I tell you, it is only because of God. Because if it was up, for, you know, if it was up to Alan, for all I care, that person could go to hell. Okay, you see what I'm saying? I mean, I'm saying words that some of you probably think, but you would never say out loud because you're all good Christians. But I'm telling you, we have to forgive because God starts to soften the heart. That person is my friend today. We had to to rebuild our friendship and rebuild our relationship because the Lord says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Because you never know how many chances you're going to have to forgive. And I say let go now. Because your stu- spiritual development is tied to forgiveness. Now let's jump into chapter 5. Chapter 5, it says, Be imitators of God, therefore. He just talked about the world and how they, they, they acted, right? Right? And therefore means, because of all that before this, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I mean, this is good stuff right here. I mean, imitators, what's that word? I mean, what's that mean? You know, it's, it's mimos in the Greek. It means mimic. Do your kids mimic you? It is hilarious right now. It's fun right now. I'm not sure if it's going to be fun later. But right now, Brandon will, you know, my 17 my, my month old will, will mimic me. And, and every time, you know, Lisa is at dinner and I'm over behind her and she can't see me and I'm going, sticking my tongue out so Brandon can see my food. And then he does it and my wife looks at me. And I'm like, I don't know. But he's mimicking me and mimicking me. That's what Jesus is talking about here. I mean, it's scary. Right now, Brandon will go around and, and say the word no when he's doing something that we've told him not to do. So we, we got these little pads because on the corner of the cabinet, you know, because he's short and the cabinet's up here, and he'll nail his head on the cabinet because he likes to run, you know. So every time he's over and he starts tugging on those little pads, I say, no, 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 Brandon, no. So ever so often, he'll be over in the kitchen, and I'll hear, no, no. No, and he's grabbing on those pads saying no. He knows he's not supposed to do any. He's mimicking here. Now, I like that he does that because I know when to look. I know when to pay attention. But he also mimics in, in good ways. He learns how to, how to do things by watching us, and he's always watching. Think about all the stuff that you do, that you, would, that you said at one time in your life, I will never do what my parents do. I will never do that. And now you find yourself doing what? That. You know? Oh, man, doesn't it bug you? Oh, I'm never going to be like mom. Yeah, right. Paul is saying be an imitation or an imitator of who? Jesus Christ. That's who you're supposed to imitate. And we do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what happens. You know? you know, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not an instant thing. We've got to keep walking with the Lord. It's like my son. I wish he could figure out things overnight. But no, he mimics me by watching me day after day after day, and he will learn from that. That's the same thing with our relationship with Jesus. The more we walk with him, what happens? The more we start to mimic him. The more we start to be like him. And then one day we'll be like the book of Acts. And they will tell you, stop talking about Jesus. You know, they did this to the guys at the beginning of Acts. Stop talking about Jesus. We can't, they said. And then it was written down that they said that they could tell that these people had been with Jesus. They could tell that from their actions. Now, when the church of Antioch began to spread, about 12 years later after the death of Christ, they started calling these guys that followed Jesus you know, at first they were called the followers of the way. The way is what they called them. Then they started calling them little Christ, and it wasn't—it wasn't it a—you wasn't a, a, know—we go Christian. I'm a Christian. No, no, no. It was derogatory. Then they were like little Christ. I mean, it's like you know, like the little brat around the corner. You know, you, you, you just somebody's always in the way. That's, they, so. So that name started being little Christ, and it turned into Christian, and, and it's something that we celebrate today. But then he says. And live a life of love. Now, if you don't know what this mean means, I, I said just just find an engaged couple and just watch them for a while. They can't keep their hands off each other, can they? I mean, they're sitting there; their hands are all over each other, hugging, holding hands. you know, live a life of love. I mean, they never walk around not arm in arm. They sit down; they only really need one chair. They don't need two. Live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. And then Paul gets really dark here in in verse 3. He says, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because those are improper for God's holy people. Nor should you, there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such, such a man is not an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of God." Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Paul just throws down a lot right here. I mean, he he just packs it in here. Going back to verse 3, he says, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor shall there be any obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Well, let's talk about this for a second. Sexual immorality. No relations outside of marriage. The Greek word here is porneiae. What does that sound like to you? Yeah, you all know. Sounds like the word pornography, right? No porneiae. None. There's nothing here that is unclear. Nothing at all. He throws the word in greed here, it means covetousness. Why? Well, it's just as bad. You're wanting what somebody else has. You're wanting their possessions, you're wanting their lifestyles, saying the Lord, what you've given me is not enough, what you provided is not enough. No obscenity. We need to clean up our humor. No foolish talk or, coarse joking. It's time to get that stuff out of our lives. Now, if you go to a high school, what do you hear? Oh, they haven't grown up. Some of them will never grow up. They'll continue to talk the way high schoolers talk. You know, and this and da-da-da-da-da. And they, all their language is just unbelievable, the things that they say. And Jesus is saying that has no place in your life. You need to clean up your life. No foolish talk or coarse joking. The Bible says it is out of place in our lives. Verse 6, it says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. You know, this is a person that says, Oh, it's no big deal. Don't be a downer. We're just trying to have a little fun. Relax. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Look at what Paul go, uh, does here. He starts out and says, "Mimic God, like children mimic their father." So it's kind of this family atmosphere with the Lord. Now he says, "Don't live like those who are in disobedient." And the Greek, the Greek here uses the word "sons of disobedient." They're like two families here. It's almost like Paul saying, "Okay, here's God's family, and here's the sons of disobedience." those who are following the Lord and those who are not. We have to be careful because the wrath of God will come and those who live like the sons of disobedience will not have inheritance in the kingdom of God. So it is our job to bring light into the darkness. In and, and verse 8 it says, For we were once darkness, but now you are the light of the, in the Lord. Live as children of light. This is cool. He doesn't say, you were walking in darkness. He says, you were darkness. And once you came to God, now you are light. Your existence was darkness. Now your existence is light. Have you ever been in a really dark room? And I don't mean like, oh, I can barely see a a little bit in front of me. I'm talking about like you've gone to the caves up in the, in the hill country, you know, around Arnold and those places, and they have those caves you can go down into. And you get way down in there. It's, you know, it's like 100 degrees outside, and you go down the caves, it's like 45 degrees. And you get down there, and finally the guy says, okay, now everybody, don't move. I'm going to turn off the lights. And he turns off the lights, and he says, now put your hand to your face. And you put it up. You can't even tell it's there. It's that darkness. That's what he's talking about. Without God, we're living in darkness. But we are children of light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, if we say that God is light, and we are in God, but we walk in darkness, then we're living a life of darkness. We're living a lie. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, so don't hide it. Verse 9, he says, For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord, having nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is the light that makes everything visible. That's why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. In verse 10, he says, find out what pleases the Lord. The Greek word here is dokimos, and it has nothing to do with the donkey, even though it kind of sounds like that. Dokimos. Dokimos. It's a great word. It actually describes a person in the first century culture. Dokimos was an approved money changer for the government. He was the bank. He is, you know, reliable, you know, non-counterfeit money. Back then, coins were pure gold or silver or bronze. You wanted to make a, a necklace for your, your wife or your spouse, you would go and you would just grab a few coins, you would melt it down, put it into a mold, and then you have a necklace. I mean, that's... that's how you made that stuff did you know the ridges on the coins that you know you take out a quarter you look at a quarter and it has all the ridges or pretty much almost any coin do you know that started back in biblical times you know why that is because coins were valued it's gold and if you had so many ounces of gold or less than like, ounces i forgot what's the term for under ounces Grams, thank you, thank you. I was going to stand up here for probably five minutes trying to figure that out. So you have so many grams of gold there, it's worth so much. So the guys, what the ingenious people, get, get a coin out, and they would shave around the edges. Well, you're taking grams away from that. You know, soon enough, you have enough to make your own coins, right? So they started putting ridges on there. And these guys, these Dokimos guys, you know, they were, they were the ones you went to because you could get real money from them. It wasn't counterfeited. It wasn't shaved. There was over 50 laws about this in New Testament time. They could put you to death over this. Why? Because you're taking money from the government. And as you all know, only the government has a right to take money from us. We don't have the right to take the money from the government, right? So they appointed a dochemist to look at the coins and to approve them. Paul is saying, don't let anyone give you a shaved-down, compromised thing. We need to see what God approves of and live our lives that way. Don't shave off anything, not even a a little bit. We need to have a life of no compromise. Now, in this day and age, this is tough, right? It's tough to understand what God approves of. Because unfortunately, many of us look at, like, look at it like this. At least I'm not as sinful as so-and-so over there. At least I don't look that bad. You know, the problem with the, the culture is this. It's getting more evil. So say the church is a PG church, and the world's a PG-13 church. The problem begins when the world becomes an R church. I mean, not a. I said the world becomes a PG-13 church. They become pg thirteen. So the world all of a sudden becomes R. Well, what does the church do? We don't stand up and scream and shout and say, hey, you shouldn't be R. We go, okay, we'll move to PG-13. You see the progression there? This is why it's very important for us to follow the word of the Lord. When Paul says uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus is the author and perfecter, or prefector of our faith, so that what happens? No matter what the culture says is okay, we do not hold to their standards. We hold to the standards of the Word of God. We need to start praying, Lord, let me be offended again by the things that offend you in this life. Not so I can go around pointing out, what you're doing is ungodly. Hey, stop that. Don't stop that. Because then we become judgmental. But So I can avoid these things in my personal life. Because the culture cannot dictate the behavior of or walk of the church, or what happens to the church. We've become about 20 years behind the culture, and that's not a good thing. We need to talk the talk. We need to walk the walk. We need to start shining the light of God in this world and allow the light of the Lord to expose the sin of this world. Verse 12, it says, For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything is exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. You know, it's our inaction, our, our not following, our, our not participating in evil things that exposes evil things. And then we live with the consequences. Because if the world rejects you for being too much like Jesus, or too holy, or too righteous, then congratulations, you're walking the narrow path. And the Bible says those that follow the narrow path reach the kingdom of God, not the ones that follow the wide path. I want to challenge you to get compromise out of your life. You will be unpopular when you don't compromise. You know, did you? You know those those that are parents. Did you compromise when you were teaching your children eat your vegetables? No, over and over. Eat, no, you're not getting that. No, you cannot have a banana for every meal, Brandon. I mean, that's how I could compromise. Hey, he wants a baba. He calls it baba, and I go, no, you can't. Have, no, you need this. This is good for you. You can't compromise on those things. Or I could say, oh, you're right. Pop tarts and cereal from now on, you can have that every meal if you want. No, we don't do that. No more vegetables in this household. We can't compromise what is good because it's for our own good. He says, Wake up, O sleeper. And who is Paul talking to here? He's talking to the church rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you be be very careful then how you live the word careful here is the word exactly this is like getting the fundamentals down in other words you know the basics you know the, the Olympics. Summer Olympics are coming up aren't they sometime in the next four years at least I don't know exactly when but did you know those okay? How many of you secretly watch all the, the figure skating? Okay, we got one guy. All the women are you know, raising their hands. The guys are like, Only if my wife makes me. Okay, we, we watch all the, the, the couples skating and the singles figure. We watch them all do the beautiful program with the beautiful music and all that stuff. But you know what we don't watch? Fundamentals. They have this thing called fundamentals. During the day, they have to come out and do the fundamentals. That means. Can you exactly do what you're supposed to do? Can you exactly do that, that whatever move it's called? Triple latte, whatever. No, okay, it's not. A, but can you exactly do that move? It's the fundamentals, and that's part of their score, and that's what they're scored on, but that doesn't get on TV. Why? That's just the basics. Who cares? But he's saying here, we have got to know the basics. We've got to get our fundamentals down in Christ. Paul's been talking to us about our walk. and you know, In chapter 2, verse 10, he says that we're his workmanship, that we would walk in good works. In chapter 4, verse 1, he says, walk worthy of your calling. 4, verse 17, it says, don't walk as the unbelieving walk. Chapter 5, verse 2, it says, walk in the love like Jesus. And 5, verse 8, he says, walk as children of light. And just now, he says, walk carefully. Walk exactly. Not as the unwise, but as the wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Man, Paul is just, it's just right on. This is not one of those, old let's just laugh it up sermons. Paul is just telling us, right here, we need to walk in the light because the days are evil. We've got to show our, uh, show our community, we've got to show our families, we've got to show this world what Christianity is about. And it's walking in light, not in the darkness. You want to see darkness, man, just go hang with the world. He's saying don't do that. Walk. Walk with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we're so thankful that you chose to walk here on this earth. You chose to to come down here and live a life so I understood that you can understand how my life is. That you've walked through these difficulties. There is no excuse that we have, Lord, to be like this world. And I pray that as we come to you, as the Holy Spirit gets active in our lives, that we start walking in light and we shun the darkness. That we start offering forgiveness to, to those that are around us. And if that starts with you forgiving them, Lord, then you do that. That one day we come to a point and say, you know what? I felt like they should be in hell, but I want them in heaven because God wants them there. And if God wants it, then I want it. We thank you for the ultimate forgiveness in our own lives, Lord. You've forgiven us so much. There's nothing that we can do that you can't forgive, and we thank you for allowing us to come to you and receive that forgiveness. Your name, Lord. Amen.